0: Can civil disobedience be justified? And if so, what are the limits to defying the government? You're listening to Activist Radio on The Mark Harrington Show. Mark Harrington Show is brought to you by Created Equal, and you can support our ministry by going to Created equal.org. Well, folks, we got some uh, breaking news today. The 27th sanctuary city for the unborn uh, just uh, last night voted in Texas. It is uh, Abernathy, Texas. Population 3,005 have passed the ordinance to ban abortion within the city limits of Abernathy. Now that is the 27th City in America to do so. 25 of those in the state of Texas. And uh, we here at Created Equal are working as well to see this happen in the state of Ohio. So stay tuned for that as we are leading the charge here in Ohio for the sanctuary cities for the unborn. Well, today we're going to be talking about higher laws and we're going to be talking about civil disobedience, or you could say differently, biblical obedience, and when is it proper for Christians to defy the government? Where do we draw the line uh, when it would be permissible by Scripture to defy the civil government? And my guest today is Pastor Wendell Brain. And Wendell, thanks for being on the show.
1: It's good to be here, Mark.
0: So Wendell and I know each other because uh, Seth Dreher, my colleague here who helped me launch Created Equal in 2011, was the youth pastor there at uh, Wendell's church, which is Trinity Evangelical Church in Fort Wayne. And Wendell has been supportive of pro-life work for decades and also very big uh, supporter of Created Equal. And I joke with him that we steal his uh, his people all the time. <laughs> they, many of our staff and interns have come from Trinity Evangelical Church, and so we're very thankful for Wendell and his his support. Uh, and, and so the reason I wanted to bring uh, Wendell on the program today because he has a history of uh, participating in Operation Rescue, which was back almost 30 years ago or so which was the largest civil disobedience movement in American history, where Christians, some 70,000 went to jail to defend the unborn. He's also been sued by uh, pro-abortion advocates for his advocacy for pro-life issues. And so that would, to me, you know, obviously Wendell's got some credibility when it comes to the understanding of what constitutes biblical uh, civil disobedience. So, So I wanted to talk to him about that today. But first, Wendell, I just want to go back, if you would, tell us a little bit of your story uh, in the beginnings of Operation Rescue, how you got in it, and then what led to the lawsuits, which dragged on for years.
1: Yeah, well, I first uh, my first rescue was actually Atlanta, Georgia. At the time, this would be, I think, 1988, August, and mm-hmm. James Dobson, Jerry Falwell, and and yep. um, james kennedy a number of a number of these christian leaders were encouraging christians to go and participate in this and and um i did that and spent 10 days in jail and was uh found the whole experience to be pretty miserable in jail and so i came back <laughs> home and said okay i paid my dues i'm not going to do anything like this again i have you know uh, carved my mark in my gun so to speak i uh, and um but then, Uh, A number of us in the Fort Wayne area got together and we started thinking about our own local abortion clinic and decided that it was time to do something here locally and not just go to big events nationwide, but to see if we could uh, make an impact in our own city. And and we did, and we had several rescues in Fort Wayne, which did result in um, lots of people getting arrested around, I think there were around three, maybe 400 different arrests just in the Fort Wayne area. And um, and then my um, my friend Brian and I uh, were sued in federal court as a result of this.
0: Uh, Were you a pastor at the time, Wendell? And uh, what did they sue you for?
1: Yeah, I was a pastor initially. And then I and then I left that to go into full time pro-life work to lead what was what became known as Northeast Indiana Rescue and the okay. lawsuit um it was actually a RICO lawsuit and I didn't never heard mm-hmm. of RICO I didn't know what it meant but later learned that it had something to do with interstate mobster uh, interstate criminal activity by right. by the mob and somehow they they got they brought in a big gun lawyer from the National Organization of Women from New York City and he came and he successfully won this lawsuit and we were ordered to pay the abortion clinic And um, at that time, because I made at that time, my salary was under 15,000 a year. So when you said $66,000, I was like having me pay a million. And um, so we never paid it. We were we were actually judgment proof. They brought us into court several times trying to shake money out of us. But we didn't own anything. We rented. We uh, I mean, we just lived very frugally, and they never got a dime from us on that. And they spent thousands of dollars trying to get money from us. So it was kind of an adventure during those years.
0: Well, that's the Racketeering Influence Corrupt Organization Act. Uh, Joe Scheidler and other rescuers were sued. Eventually, went to the U.S. Supreme Court and struck down after 20 years, I think it was. Uh, was your was your lawsuit struck down? I mean, or, or you just were you know obviously unable to pay it. Do you remember? Well, what, it's been a long happened. time
1: since I've read that lawsuit, but it was my understanding that there were three pillars. One of those was the RICO, and then there were two other pillars to it, and those two stood. So the okay. so the the lawsuit remained in effect, but the abortion clinic gave up. They 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 spent too much money trying to fight it with us and never got anything. So they gave up, and the federal judge initially vacated the order, and um so as of so as of probably the last. 10, 15 years, it's no longer in effect.
0: Well, it's interesting. You bring up Atlanta, 1988 uh, at the time. Pastors around the country early on in the rescue movement were very much supportive of it. But that didn't last very long, uh, as you know. In fact, Pastor John MacArthur in California uh, basically came out against it. You had others eventually in Atlanta and other places starting to take uh, opposition towards it. Right. Uh, And so let me ask you this. So the the block and just I don't want to spend too much time on rescue because obviously it's 30 years ago and that tactic isn't being used much anymore. But what do you believe justified you and others blocking the doors to abortion centers and preventing women or at least attempting to preventing parents from coming inside? Because you were breaking law. You were trespassing.
1: Right. There's a couple of different ways to look at it, but actually, from from um, our perspective, we were not really breaking any law because trespassing laws were never intended to preserve or to protect the killing of innocent people. So if Good you have point. a swimming pool in your backyard and you got a no trespassing sign out front, that right. sign doesn't mean anything. If if your four year old if your four year old is drowning, drowning, I'm going to yeah. trespass to save that child. And That's so right. in our mind we were morally obligated by both the state and our lord to save unborn children who are being killed and the most peaceful nonviolent and effective way to do this at the time of the crisis is to physically place ourselves between the abortionist and his victim and thus sitting in front of the the abortion doors on the steps and we basically had a church service we would uh, read scripture. Mm-hmm. We would sing songs of praise. We would pray together, and we took the battle to the gates of hell, so to speak.
0: So, what is your what is your uh, I guess reaction to those who would say, and I think John MacArthur was one of these, and others who say, yes. no, no one was being forced to abort. I mean, if you were in this in China, for example, where they have a one-child policy, or at least did now, I think it's two, where they were the government was forcing parents to actually abort you were justified then in intervening physically and stopping them. Because it's a choice, they would say, no one's forcing anyone to disobey God and in, in the sense that no one's being forced to abort. Then how were you justified in disobeying, so to speak, disobeying the civil, civil magistrate?
1: Yeah, you are right, Mark, in your memory, because this was the argument. John MacArthur, what? Charles Stanley, right. Bill Gothard, these, um, these heavyweights at the time, uh, were very adamant, very vocal in opposing and this, and that was exactly their argument. But I would come back and say, without getting into the nitty-gritty of all that, is saying that I believe that they really did not fully comprehend or appreciate the humanity of the unborn child because mm-hmm. they wanted to deal with these sorts of technicalities where what we're dealing with here is a human being whose life is about to be taken and right. intervention is called for. And Mm -hmm. so um, we did see it as justification before God. And even in the eyes of the state that we were to intervene in this. So um, I
0: I think additionally, it was peaceful, too. You're not well, right in the sense. I mean, you are blocking egress, but you're not forcibly keeping people from doing this. You're not taking, you know, you're not using violence. It was a peaceful civil disobedience uh, act
1: yeah, I mean, if you believe abortion is murder, you have to act like it's murder. And yep. so, um I mean, that's a whole nother discussion in itself, but it is. What we did was essentially the strategy was to try to buy time for the mother to reconsider her decision mm-hmm. because many of yeah. them, we have learned, saw this as kind of like an omen. They were apprehensive about doing it in the first place. And then they arrive at the abortion clinic and you've got 200 people sitting in front of the door singing songs that they grew up with hearing in Sunday school. And they're saying, oh, this is the Lord speaking to me. I can't really go through this. And it's amazing how the Lord used this in, in different ways um, to change people's hearts.
0: Well, suffice to say that thousands of babies are alive today because of operation rescue and the efforts of people like yourself who are willing to intervene physically and inter- interpose on behalf of the unborn. I mean that was initially the the issue. I mean that's why Randall and others began to uh, rescue yeah. just to save lives. It morphed into a national movement. That was never the intent. It just kind of built upon itself. And the Holy Spirit was, you know, breathing on the effort. It was a repentance, really movement of calling Christians to repent for the shedding of blood. So to me, I mean, the benefits of Operation Rescue still we still uh, feel those today. I mean, I'm I'm a I'm a (laughs) a, a, here because of the folks that, you know, in rescue that that encouraged me to continue the battle. Yeah. Good. So. Good to hear. Yeah, you. I mean I mean th- listen, I mean folks like that are the ones that I hold up as being my, you know, mentors and ones that I saw as willing to pay a price and you were as well who uh, got sued for for doing this. So, um let's let's go to the just the higher laws question now. I know we're privileged to have you speak uh at our internship during the summer about this topic. I know we don't have very much time in sure. a short program like this to try to tackle it. Uh, we dealt with the operation rescue issue, but what is the basis for higher laws? And, and then we'll take it from there. Okay.
1: Well, it comes from essentially the, the, the two commandments that Jesus spoke about that we all know the, there is a commandment that is first and the greatest, and that is to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second, Jesus said, is similar, but it's not the same. It's in second place. And that's to Mm -hmm. love your neighbor as yourself. And so our first allegiance is, of course, to God. And what we see here is that all of his commandments, and these being an example of that, are set on a hierarchical uh, uh, sphere, you might say, or levels or degrees. Some are more weightier than others. And we see that even in the Old Testament, because the punishment for murder is um, much more severe than the punishment than stealing or coveting. Uh, those sorts of things. So there are these different uh, weights, you might say, given to the laws. And when there is a conflict, and oftentimes there are conflicts, and Jesus faced conflicts, then the obligation is to obey the higher law. So the lesser law is not really being disobeyed, it's just being preempted. And we might use the illustration of how an airplane does not break the law of gravity, it just simply overpowers it. And Mm. so that might be a way to kind of think of this. Um, Our obligation, of course, is to tell truth and not, for instance, um, accommodate a a Nazi with information about where the Jews are hidden, you know. um, I'm not under any obligation to tell him the truth. I'm I'm actually under obligation to to mislead him so as to save other people. As one example, many examples could be given both in history and in the Bible itself.
0: Well, in other words, it's really not civil disobedience; it's biblical obedience. Yeah, we have an obligation is, and a responsibility to obey the law of God over the laws of men.
1: Exactly. The word disobed, the word disobedience is kind of a conventional word because that's how people kind of relate to it. But technically, I would agree with you; it's not really disobedience in, in the truest sense.
0: Well, and I understand Operation Rescue, that was their position. You know, it's interesting you say that there's a hierarchy of uh, of law, if you will. You know, obviously one sin keeps us out of the kingdom, um, but there are levels of how those affect individuals and and things. And, you know, I hear people say, you know, all sins are the same. You know, I'm like, well, hold on a minute. You know, if I lie to you, it's a lot different than taking a gun and shooting you. Actually, I mean, yep. So and it, there's a lot of I, I think there's a lot of confusion regarding that.
1: Yeah. Well, sin is sin in the sense that it alienates us from God. And the consequences, of course, is death. But some sins have a greater effect and greater ramifications and more severe consequences. And this is, you know, very clear from the scripture.
0: Yeah. My guest is uh, Pastor Wendell Brain, and you can go to their website at Trinity Evangelical Church by going to trinity-evangelical-church.org. He's in the Fort Wayne, Indiana area, and obviously you can tell he's very pro-life. Uh, Wendell, if you would, I want to go to what are the limits to this type of action. We see a couple of examples in the Bible Uh, There's been a lot of talk about this recently because of the COVID stuff. You know, we've had pastors arrested in Canada. I think Christians are reevaluating this whole matter because we're facing possible persecution. I think it's inevitable coming our way with the Biden administration and other things, just culture heading in a particular direction. Uh, If you could speak generally about the limits to this type of uh, higher law ethic okay
1: well i probably would begin by saying that um the higher laws ethic does require a lot of wisdom it's not as cut and dry and black and white as what we'd like for it to be and oftentimes there are a number of different factors that weigh in on it including the one is is there a is there a third alternative that i'm obligated to pursue um and there may be more than just two choices before me And every situation's kind of, you know, different. And um, we have to be a little careful. We used to have kind of like a joke running around that um, I carry a higher loss card. Therefore, I can speed to get to church because I'm running late. And it'd be kind of a joke to sort of flesh out the idea that this concept can oftentimes be abused. And anytime that we are engaged in in obeying one thing over another which often does look like and could be actually disobeying it if it's not done correctly, is that a lot of wisdom is needed and we have to be very careful about that sort of thing. So I'm sorry, Mark, but to get back to your original question here, there are (laughs) indeed, there are oftentimes maybe not what we'd call limits. I suppose there would be limits, but maybe a better way to put it would be parameters or guidelines that we need to incorporate in our decision-making process.
0: Well, I, you know, I've been talking about this for a long time. And in Christians, we are law keepers. We are That's right. intended. To leave. We, we should be keeping the law. We want to keep the law of God, and we want to keep the law of the, of the nation. Where we run into conflict is those laws conflict with the law of God. And in those cases, I mean, it's a tough one to to make the decision, but we are generally law keepers. That's why we should not be just willy-nilly, just on the fly, Disobey a, a you know a particular governmental law order whatever, and I think unfortunately you know Christians are. It seems like <laughs> lately we tend to take a little bit more latitude on the breaking of laws. Yeah. And we don't have a whole lot of time, but I do want you to just comment. We're seeing things in, in Canada happen. I know Canada is different than United States when it comes to the COVID restrictions. Churches there are told not to meet. They can't assembly. Pastors have and are continuing, likely to be arrested. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I would say that I'm certainly no expert on this, and I think that um, a lot of wisdom is needed. I, I on the one hand, am sympathetic to the idea of genuine safety for the community. So, for instance, churches yeah. on the West Coast during, war, during World War II would turn out their lights at night, to um, uh, not reveal uh, for enemy potential enemy bombers coming from Japan. And I think that that's very legitimate and the right thing to do. My fear is that now in the name of safety, the government and other powers to be are going to use that as an excuse to really to to step on us. And so Mm -hmm. (laughs) a lot of wisdom is needed on this. I'm very sympathetic to the churches who defy the government's orders to shut down because the scriptures are clear that we are to meet. The early Christians found ways to meet secretly to get around the the restrictions that, that were imposed upon them. And I applaud them for doing it. But I think before a decision like that is actually made, we have to really, if that were to happen, like here in America, every church is gonna have to think very carefully about all the factors that are involved and, and the long-term ramifications of those decisions.
0: My guest, again, is Wendell Brain, uh, pastor at Trinity Evangelical Church in Fort Wayne. Folks, uh, I want you to take action. And first of all, you can sign up for our Day of Action, which is an opportunity to be taught by some of the best pro-life apologists around, including my good friend and colleague here, Seth Dreyer, who just just recently Got his master's degree at Biola, a bio, uh, bioethics degree there. And so he's well-equipped, and he will be leading the way there. June 13 and 14, you can sign up by going to our website at createdequal.org. That's the day of action. It takes place here in Columbus. It's basically two days. It's one evening and then a full day of activism. One day of training and a full day of activism. And you can sign up by going to createdequal.org and just click on the day of action. That'll take place June 13 and 14. We will train you in pro life apologetics. And more than that, we'll put boots on the ground. That's what we believe in that you learn by doing. Uh, so, uh, 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 Wendell, we got a, a couple of minutes left, not a whole lot here. Let's talk about. The pro-life movement as it is right now, uh, you know, I was at the beginnings of Operation Rescue. I saw it all unfold there at the end then with the passage of the uh, the FACE law, freedom of access clinic entrances for, and for all intents and purposes, pretty much ended the uh, Operation Rescue movement per se. There's been a little bit of talk about revitalizing that. There's been something we call Red Rose Rescues. But there's also something else. And I know that this is this is kind of new on the horizon for some people, but it's been something i thought about for years. And that is the civil magistrate, let's say the state of Ohio, the governor, uh, you know, attorney general, whatever, passes in the legislature, passes a bill that outlaws abortion altogether. Governor signs it and then immediately the courts say, well, that comes against Roe v. Wade. Uh, I've been calling for the government at some point just to say no. We don't recognize Roe v. Wade as law. It's bad law. It's an opinion. We're going to enforce the law as written, and that would defy, if you will, the federal government, at least the ruling of Roe v. Wade. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, I would. I think that's a great strategy, a great tactic, and I. I think that's well justified. The question, of course, would be, can we actually pull something like like that off? But in theory, right. I would. I would give that that idea a, a, a definitely, yay and amen. Um, but I, some some of the times I kind of think of the whole just war ethic, you know, that, took, mm. that Augustine and others had to work through in years ago. And one of the one of the factors of that would be you should not engage in a war unless there's a reasonable expectation of success, because you can That's end up point. with with a lot of innocent blood on your hands for no for no reason. And so I don't know how that would actually compare to this, except to say that if this could be pulled off and there's a reasonable expectation of success for it, then we should put our weight and, and get up and go behind all that the best we can. But I'm a little apprehensive that we have the means and the resources to
0: do it. Well, and I agree with you there. I mean, we do want to be practical, and I know the word pragmatic takes on negative connotations in the pro-life movement or Christian circles sometimes because people say, "Well, you don't have enough faith in God." I'm like, "Well, I didn't detach my brain either when I came to Christ." You know, I yeah. I, I should be discerning and using wisdom to think whether we have a reasonable expectation of success here. But I've been calling for something of that nature, and I'd love to see a pa- or a, a, a governor and a state nullify Roe v. Wade and see what happens. I'd be supportive of that. We've well, uh, we got, we got about 30 yeah. seconds, 45 seconds. If you would wrap it up and just kind of speak to our audience here, uh, someone who's been in the fight for 30-some years as a pastor, you've gone to jail, you've been sued, now leading a congregation, Uh, You know, we cannot win without the church.
1: Yeah, we we need everybody to put their oar in the water. And this is, as you've heard, not a a sprint. This is a marathon. And so we have to be at it in a steady way, ongoing. We can't become discouraged and give up because we lose a Supreme Court decision here or there or a piece of legislation doesn't make its way through like we had hoped. We have to keep pushing on. And um, we are probably making more inroads than what we realize. But as we all mm-hmm. know, we're called to be faithful in this because the unborn children, when you think about them, who among us needs us the most? I mean, they're in the most of an orphan among us. They are they are the, the most helpless. They are the most needy. And we they're, they need someone to be their advocates. And that would be us, every one of us.
0: My guest has been Reverend Wendell Brain, Pastor Wendell Brain from Fort Wayne, And we appreciate him being on the program. We'll see you next time, folks. God bless you. God bless America. And remember America to bless God. You've been listening to Mark Harrington, your radio activist. For more information on how to make a difference for the cause of life, liberty, and justice, go to createdequal.org. To follow Mark, go to MarkHarringtonShow.com. Be sure to tune in next time for your marching orders
1: in the culture war.